just stay here, stay in this place. Lord, we just, as a people, Lord, as a community, we just say that's our deepest desires. We want to know you. your ways. We want to know who you are, what makes your heart beat. God, we want to know if you have any dreams, Lord, would you live them out through us? <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for your sweetness of being near with us tonight. Really, we're so grateful. We're in need of you more. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. thanking him in your heart. Just keep thanking him in your heart. What do you love about him? What do you like about him? What have you heard from others that you wish you knew more about him? But thank him for that's who he is. the descriptions in scripture of Jesus is he's the prince of peace and I just um, just this picture kind of went through my mind of if you need peace deep inside to take a deep breath there's a couple instances where Jesus was on the earth and he actually breathed on the disciples and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and I just feel like there's this invitation to us tonight just in this moment if you need to exchange breath with a Prince of Peace and you give him anxiety and fear, sometimes this kind of this prophetic act, like I breathe out all that that I don't want anymore. And I breathe in Prince of Peace air. Just offer that to you. If that's something you need tonight, just take a moment to do that.
So thank you, Lord, for being a strong tower, for being what we need and more. And I just ask, God, as we continue to just walk with you and through, with each other through tonight, would you unfold your word in our hearts? Lord, we ask that you clear the fog of distraction away, that your living and active word would penetrate us deep inside. We just, we give you permission, Holy Spirit, to deep work inside of us, to meet with us where we are, Lord. And we ask, God, that none of us would leave the same tonight. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. It's good. Good evening. My name is Scott Robinson, if I haven't met you. Good to meet you guys. My wife, Jenny, in the front. You know, the Young Adults Pastor's here, and we're thrilled you're here with us tonight. Um, you made it in the summer. Uh, people come and go a lot in the summer. I don't know if I, this is like our third summer here? And that's what I'm realizing, is that there's people coming and going all the time. And so um, we're thrilled you're here with us, and, and just expectant that you came here for something. And, and I hope that all of us realize that we actually came here for Jesus, the living King, to meet with us. Uh, and my trust is and my expectation is he actually already is. Um, and as we dig into the word, I just want to invite us also, say, Lord, would you shape me and change me tonight, okay? Great idea. There's, there's a little, I've been thinking this week, I've been praying for our time together and thinking about this little verse where Jesus said, be careful how you listen. And I just want to encourage us, if something strikes you tonight, write it down. Get it in your phone. Capture it being careful how we listen because when we got to let what goes in our ears come down to our heart to transform us to how we believe. And it's our choice to allow that to happen. Okay, so I'm excited for what he's got for us tonight. Um, hey, a little public service announcement. Um, I actually want to read this picture because it's really funny. Uh, so if you're looking for uh, a way to um, help shape and transform our young adult community, we have pre-abide prayer at 615 in the prayer room, which is right across the way there. So you're welcome to join us next month. Um, but I was walking over there today, and there's this sign. You guys can't read. I'll read it to you. Okay. Ready? Security, training, and progress. Loud noise, verbal commands, screaming, simulated gunfire, simulated explosions, and weapons may be present. So you're in a safe place <laughs> for more than one reason. Anyway, so there's a security team here at the church, and I guess they're having training. So if we have any simulated explosions tonight, don't worry. Everything's okay. We're fine. You guys, there was probably a year or so ago when we were meeting in a bite, and we were meeting actually in the other room right there, and a car drove by and had a backfire. Was anyone there for that? No, yes. Oh, yeah, I'm like, hit the deck. It was, it was, it was just a car, but it scared me for a moment. So anyways... Uh, so any simulated explosions, let me know. Or if you brought something like simulated explosives, you're welcome to use them tonight. Uh, just let us know. Simulated explosions, not like real ones, but simulated ones. Um, anyways, um, so... Um, Hey, next month, uh, our August Abide, and we did this last year as well, it's Worship and Nations Night. So we have five different teams for, that are from our community that have gone out to different parts of the world. And so next month, we're, we're going to be asking all the teams to actually share about five, ten minutes, show some pictures, just share God's stories with us. It's rich, and it's fun, so you don't want to miss it. Bring your friends with you. It's going to be good. So Jackson's going to be there. Sharing for his trip, yeah, yeah. Um, so um, it's going to be great. Um, okay, so tonight uh, we're going to 
Uh, we're gonna, it's Kevin Warren and I are going to tag team here for just a little bit. He's going to jump up here with me. Um, but we're going to talk about how to stop the crazy. Okay? What I mean by that is that anyone in here ever had a thought go through your head that you can't get out of your head? Not like, what's that gross smell? I wish I wouldn't smell it anymore. Like that kind of weird thought. But actually like, am I loved? Do people like me? Uh, am I ever going to get married? Fill in the blank. Am I ever going to find a job that pays the bills? And that thought gets in there and goes, like a hamster in a wheel. You guys know what I'm talking about? Come on, everyone. Yes, we all get it in different levels. So tonight we're calling it the crazy, and we're going to talk about how to stop it. Okay? Here's why. This is very personal for me, and this is one reason Kevin's going to share, and he's going to share his story too. Uh, about, I, I mentioned in the May Abide in Passing that um, I, I, for the last few months for me have been super hard. Um, I, just some relational stuff going on and things being said. And I will wake up in the middle of the night many times. In my, and I wake up and I just start thinking about what was said or what was done. And just pss, the hamster wheel starts cranking. It's like 2, 3 in the morning. And so I'm like, you know, sneaking down to the guest room. And I'm just praying and worshiping until peace comes. And then I can sleep some more. Um, God's taking me through that. I feel like I've gotten on top of it. But it was, it's been a hard couple months. So I shared that at the May Abide just in passing briefly. And in the, the subsequent three or four weeks, uh, at least a dozen of us in our community caught me and said, I heard you said that. Can you tell me more about it? Or having a meal or sharing a coffee. And they go, and, you, and you'll say, I, actually, that happens to me all the time. I thought it was my personality or I thought it was just something that happened to me, or I don't know how to stop this. It's the craziness in our head sometimes. And, and, I, and I saw enough of a little snapshot of who we are and maybe some places we struggle enough that I just feel like God was saying, hey, let's go after it tonight because there's some promises from God of how we can live more at rest in our minds that translate to what we believe and how we live. Okay, so that's what we're going after. Um, so, you guys ready for this? Romans 8. you turn to Romans 8 with me? Romans 8. Okay, here's one thing that might go through your mind tonight. If, if a brief description I just shared or when Kevin shares and you might go, oh, that sounds like me at times. If the thought goes through your mind, uh, it's just my personality. It probably isn't. If the thought goes through your mind, uh, I can't stop this. It actually may not be the voice of the Lord. So let hope rise inside that there's actually a moment here in your life and mine where freedom can come. That's why we're here. It's not just to put knowledge in our heads. This is to say, here's our life. Now let's do life together. What is the word promise? Now, God, we want to get before you until we experience that kind of freedom. Okay? And be careful that it's not like, oh, this must be for my friend. Because sometimes that thought for me is actually like, Holy Spirit's like, wait, look at you. <laughs> this is for you. Listen well. And then the overflow of my freedom now becomes someone else's freedom. But if I take a word and I say, hey, this must be for you, there's no power on it because it hasn't transformed me yet. So let it be for us, okay? Okay, Romans 8, you ready? 
We're going to go one through the beginning of nine. So I'm going to read through it, then we're going to jump back to the beginning and just offer a couple thoughts. What I'm trying to do here is lay a foundation of where we're going, okay? Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Say no condemnation. condemnation. Is that a promise? That's an absolute promise. Why don't we live with that promise too much? Because life is life, and we got to learn how to live more whole. But there's a promise there. Let's keep going. But I just want to hold on to that. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 2, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. Those who live according to, or in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Verse 6. This is the one we're going to come back to in a moment. The mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit, if you indeed, if indeed the Spirit of God lives inside of you. Okay? So there's a bit of structure here I want us to see. So we're going to go back to the beginning. There's a promise right there, right? That we just said a minute ago. Therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Help me define what condemnation means. What's condemnation mean? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? Punishment? Punishment? You did something wrong and now you're stuck? What else? What else? Judgment? Okay, yeah. Condemnation, what does it mean? What does it mean to you when you read that? If you don't know me, I like to actually interact, so... Just this is us. What? Feeling guilt? Yeah. Okay, so raise your hand if you've ever felt condemnation. That's everyone. Look at that. We are all in that same place. So condemnation comes when we make a mistake, when we're corrected, when something wrong happens. Condemnation comes, and what does condemnation do? It says you are stuck. That is who you are, and you cannot move from it. Is that a fair definition? It's an identity voice that makes us stay where we are and tries to force us to live a way under what God has for us, okay? So this promise is incredible. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then verse two through four, I want us to look at, this is why. It's not because we do things right or we think better. This is why. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. Why is there no condemnation? What did we just read? God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. You and I in ourselves, we have no power to be free. There's a power on the cross. There's a power that's hidden inside of Jesus and the work he did on the cross that says, now I can be free. Now there's no condemnation. Now when we make a mistake, we run to the cross and we receive his forgiveness and grace and now we live more free and whole. Another form of condemnation or another symptom of condemnation is the spinning. I can't stop it. It's trying to label me as who I am. So how can we be free? How can we experience this? Because Jesus' death on the cross. All right? 
Verse 5, what's my responsibility in this? Okay, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set in what the flesh desires. Those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set in what the Spirit desires. So there's a promise, there's a power, and now this is my opportunity to respond to what he has. My opportunity is, God, I want to think your thoughts. I want to have my mind set on what you think, not my mind set on what the flesh thinks. Okay, that's my opportunity and my responsibility. Okay, and then it goes on and explains a bit more here. Verse 6, the mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. So I want, to, want us to pause in this verse the rest of the evening because this is where, this is where the root of this uh, opportunity for freedom really lands. If you're a feeler, can you feel that? If you're a thinker, does it make sense to you? The mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. So those thoughts that spin, the hamster wheel, the struggle, the crazy, does it lead you to life and peace? Or does it actually lead you to, not to death, but to a pathway that will eventually cause you to separate from relationships, separate from God, separate from the things that are most valuable to you? Pull away from him, not get in his word, not lean into worship. That's the pathway towards death. Okay? So what does your Bible say when it says the mind governed, that word governed, what does your Bible say? Is there another word you have? What is it? Mind controlled by the spirit of life and peace. Anyone else? What does your Bible say? Everyone says controlled or governed? Set on? Okay. Okay, so let's put our thesaurus on. What does that word mean? Because I don't know about you, but I rarely have ever, in fact, never had a conversation and, and gone, hey, Isaac, are you governed by meal today? Or, you know, do you ever use the word govern in an odd way that way? What does the word govern mean? What do you guys think? Hmm? Ruled. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Okay, because it's ruled by the flesh or ruled by the spirit, right? It's governed, it's controlled. Um, I used to work at a golf course, and I, I would clean golf clubs and rent out um, golf carts, and they were electric. And there was this one guy that I never could get on a shift and work with him, but he knew how to open up the hatch and look at the little engine, and there's a thing called a governor. Okay, he knew how to put a, a golf tee in the governor. I never knew how to do it. And it, it, there's like a way to, to cause the golf cart to not go too fast. And he put this tee in the, in the governor and then it could go crazy fast. And he was like legendary in all of us workers. And I never could figure out who he was or how I could learn, but it's probably best. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. There's a way that we live that the Holy Spirit governs or controls us in a very healthy, right way so we don't go kill ourselves. Because if I would have learned how to put that golf tee in that governor, and when things were slow and I went out for a drive with my buddies, I probably wouldn't have ended up in a good place with that golf cart on the golf course. Okay, So the mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Okay. A few other words I wrote down that might help too is just it's guided by, it's protected, it's strengthened, it's influenced, it's led by. So our mind can either be led by, governed, controlled by the flesh, our own desires, or by the spirit. And the fruit of that is death. The fruit of that is life and peace. 
We have a choice to make. And sometimes if you're like me the last couple months, at times I feel like it was hard to make that choice. How do I stop that spinning? And he's taught me so much, and he's been so kind in these couple months. But it's taken time to learn something deep about who he is and how he loves me. Okay, so here's how this works. Can you, can you put, the, put that next slide up? That one. Okay, here's how it works. Ready? This is you, me, everyone. We were in Paris. Uh, the night school trip was in Paris for two weeks. Yep, that's right. Um, they were in Thailand. Like a lot of us in this room, there's others that, that will be here soon that are in Kazakhstan or Indonesia. There's a lot of us around the world. Okay, every person on the planet, this is how it works. This is how God's made us as humans. How a thought becomes who we are and how we live. Okay? So a received thought. That means a thought that bounces through my mind, and I get to say that's true, and I take it, or no, I don't. A received thought becomes my belief system, or my belief system becomes my identity. And if I allow it to stay there long enough, it, become, it leads my actions. So a, a thought I receive... I go, yep, that's probably true about me. It now becomes my belief system. And my belief system, eventually, if I allow that thing to grow, truth or not truth, can we just say that, flesh or spirit, I allow it to grow inside, it now becomes my identity. It's who I am. It's how I live. It's how I interact with people. And that identity later leads to my actions. Okay, so here's a really practical one. You guys ready? And if, if this hits home for you, I bet it might for some of us, uh, if it doesn't, fill in some blanks, okay? So here's a great example. Um, you walk into church on Sunday, and you walk into the foyer, and you're not with your roommates or your friends. You're walking in by yourself, and you know you're meeting up with people to sit with them. And you see a foyer full of people, and there's families, and there's people waiting for coffee, and people are laughing and interacting, and everyone has a friend. Everyone has a relationship. And you walk through the door, and you look around, and you go, oh, if I was married... And that thought just kind of, bing, sticks to the head. And you walk through the foyer and you see people, maybe you know, you don't know, and you're like, I just want to sit down. And that thought's a familiar thought. If I was married, life would be different. Okay? You walk in and you sit down, and worship starts, and that, that little thought that you didn't back in the doorway go, wait, Jesus, what do you think about this? You actually let it take root. And now during worship, you're trying to engage, but instead your mind's kind of spinning or distracted. And maybe you hear a part of a song that you go, hmm, is that theologically right? I don't know if that's okay. Why they sing off key? Or some little passing critical thought. And then as we're getting our hearts ready and receiving the word, and we're saying, God, let us change us. And the whole time you're thinking thoughts about why they say this scripture. Shouldn't they say more? Why they tell that story? Why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? And it's a bit of a criticism or it's this foggy brain and I can't focus or I get really tired. Anyone relate with this? Okay. And church ends and saying goodbye to people and a group of you are going to Chipotle. Yum, yum. Love Chipotle. And you go to Chipotle, and you're eating lunch, and all of a sudden, and you're just chatting, and you, and you just see it come out of your mouth, and you say, man, that song, that third song we sang, it had a lot of eyes in it, a lot of like personal pronouns. I don't like songs like that, because I think they're really self-focused. And then you keep eating your burrito, 
And everyone in the table just got slimed with a judgmental thought. And I want to submit to you that it actually didn't start there. It started when you walked in the door and you had a thought that's familiar enough to possibly be true. And I didn't take it, the thought captive and say, God, is this true? So apply that to going to life group. Apply that to walking in here. You walk in and you're like, there's cookies, there's people. I don't know anyone. I'll go sit by myself when someone talks to me. A received thought becomes a belief. And a belief becomes our identity and our identity becomes our action. So in that hypothetical statement, or maybe it's not so hypothetical, what just happened is grievous, isn't it? It's a real place we got all grow in, sure. And no one's perfect on a Sunday morning. No one's perfect at your job. No one's perfect in any way. It's always going to, we're going to find fault if we want to. My submission to us is that my place of struggle, my place where a thought comes in and I go, what do I do with that? Lord, is this you? Is this not? It's a split second, non-stressful moment. That's one thing he's taught me last few months. It's a relational moment. God, what do you think? Does that make sense? Okay. So you can fill in the blank if that's not something you struggle with. I bet there's somewhere in our life that may be probably more familiar. And that's what I want us to feel. Is that sometimes those passing thoughts actually don't lead to life and peace in me. And every time it turns into something that influences other people. It just does. It pulls me away from community. It pulls me away from God. It, pulls, it causes me to say little judgmental thoughts. It, you know, just these things that influence other people and hurt me. And it started actually back here and seems very unrelated a lot of times. But it's the power of saying this is a, is the, the mindset and the spirit is life and peace. Okay? So Kevin's going to keep us going. Come on, Kev. Hi, guys. Um, yeah, so I, I feel like God's done a lot in my life and my mind. Um, and so that's kind of why God wanted me to, to speak. Um, because, like, God's just redeemed my mind. And I believe that there's that for everyone um, here tonight and everyone that's not, too. Um, but just wanted to share really quick for those of you that don't know me. My name's Kevin. That's my wife, Katie, who's awesome. Um, we lead a life group on Monday nights, and we love that. And we've been going to Antioch for about probably five years now, and we love walking in community with you guys, and so, um, but I just wanted to really quick um, kind of um, go back to 8-6 and say that one more time. Actually, can we, I feel like I need a deep breath, so let's all take a deep breath, just because that, that breath thing is working, right? So, <laughs> thank you, God, that you are here. Thank you, Jesus, that you, you are a healing God. Thank you, God, that even if, uh, even if we're here tonight and we're feeling like we don't need um, what's going on tonight, God, we know that there's always more. There's always more of you. In the deep, intimate place with you, there is always more. So, Jesus, we just ask that our hearts would be positioned in that way tonight, God, and that, um, that my testimony would speak. It wouldn't be my words that speak, but it would be you, Holy Spirit. So we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to be here. Amen. Felt like I needed that prayer for myself, so 
Yeah. Um, but um, so as we were going into like 8.6, we were praying through that and, and I wanted to kind of dive in a little bit deeper of like what some of the words meant and I was trying to research some of those. And so death um, specifically, like trying to give us context of what living in death feels like and then what living in life and peace feels like. But before, before I get that, I really want to give a quick little like backstory of like, I, this will be really quick, but I grew up in a small, just like my mom, my dad, and my sister. My sister had a pretty broken life and led to me feeling and being physically alone most of my life and my parents chose to seclude themselves instead of lean into community and so that's been a beautiful thing in our marriage of just like leaning into community and finding life and peace that way too but so um struggled with like crippling anxiety and like extreme fear of people and really tormenting thoughts um, and like when something would happen, kind of like what he had earlier of like when we believe that thing, it would just go in my mind forever and ever and it felt like it like wouldn't leave. Uh, I remember one time being like I think six years old and my parents had um, friends over, one of the few times that happened. God has redeemed their life and their marriage. They actually moved here and they have like a cool community now, so amen. But I remember like hearing that and I was like, I need to go to the bathroom. And I know that's so random, but it, but I was like, and for some reason I feel like I can't leave my door. (laughs) Like I can't get outside of my door for whatever reason. And I don't know why. And I'm really like, just these thoughts are like, and I didn't even know what I was thinking, but I was like, I physically, for some reason, I can't open the door right now and I can't get to the bathroom. And it was really, really weird. And um, I remember just literally standing there. And I know this is also so weird. Little six-year-old me, I put my ear up to the, like, crack. And I was waiting for a moment where I felt like they left so that I could open the door and go to the bathroom. Like, what? That's obviously something pretty deep. So, um, Fast forwarding through life, it was like, okay, it wasn't quite as bad, right? Went to, um, did community college for three years and then came to GCU in 2017 and then found Antioch in 2018. Uh, but God's been continually removing or removing those things after I found him, right? So I think there's also like the whole truth in that God's continually working on us. And so like every day... <laughs> I'm learning how to be more intimate with Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, God. You know, um, but um, anyways, but I remember being at college one time um, here at GCU and at a life group with Chris Minacucci. I don't know if any of you guys know him, but um, he and I were leading a life group together. And um, I remember like, God, I just need breakthrough and fear. Like, I like, I, I believe that there's breakthrough for me in fear, fear of what people think, fear of what I might do. Like, that was another weird thing. Like, I'm fearful of things that I might do. Like, what? So random. And um, I remember just, like, putting my hands up and praying and worshiping, and I felt like I saw in my mind's eye, I saw, I saw God's hand come down, and he reached to my hand with his left hand, and then he wrapped a golden sash around, around our hands, and he said, I will be with you. You will no longer be fearful. And I was like, wow. Like, thank you, God. Like, makes me, like, want to cry because it was, like, that powerful of a moment where I was like, wow, I needed that. Like, I need freedom. And uh, to that day, like, obviously, there's been fearful moments, but I no longer have that tormenting fear that I'm going to, like, just, like, not be able to, like, step outside. (laughs) You know? And um, so, anyways, just to encourage you, like, and also, as we were praying this, or tonight and worshiping, um, God reminded me that about a week after that that thing happened to me, he led me to Revelation 1, um, or Revelation 2, I think, and, um, and there's a verse where God talks about 
a golden sash. And when I read that, I'd never read it before. And I was like, wow, God, the visions that you give us and the encounters we have, like, align with the word of God. <laughs> so anyways, which is obviously true, but I'm trying to find it. One sec, sorry. Um, if someone else knows it too, feel free to say. Um, yeah, okay, so I think it's... Um, Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So let's read it really quick. Um, yeah, I'm just going to read to the angel of the church from 12 on to the angel of the church of Pergamum. Right. These are the words of him who has the sharp double edged sword. I know where you live where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city, where Satan lives. Um, wait, was that it? Oh, wait, I'm, I'm reading one. I'm reading two, sorry. Okay, I was like, that doesn't, that doesn't sound right. I'm not hearing anything about a golden lampstand or a golden sash, but anyways, you guys have probably already read it by now, so we'll just let that be. But um, anyways, but yeah, so 13 does say, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. Anyway, so when I read that, I was like, wow, thank you, God. How cool is that? That like the vision that I got that healed me from fear, God also led me to a scripture that like backed that up. Anyways, just thought that was pretty awesome. Um, but anyways, so that's what death feels like. And then life and peace, um, as we were, um, going, as I was going through, uh, Romans eight, six, and specifically looking at like what life means translated, I guess the Hebrew word is Zoe and it means life real and genuine. Um, and, um, the blue letter Bible, um, definition is saying like a life active and vigorous and like, that's the translation of Zoe, um, and that's devoted to God, blessed in the portion, even in this world, of those who put their trust in Christ, but after the resurrection to be consummated by the new accessions, among them a more perfect body, and to last forever. So I was like, wow, that's kind of like next level, bro. And then peace, um, translated Irene, don't know how to say that, but it also could be um, from a verb, um, itero, which is to join, kind of going back what we were saying earlier that, um, that part of this um, like mind being governed, there's also a choice. And so part of that is like to join in peace, uh, which I thought was pretty cool because we do have to make a conscious decision in these moments. Okay, Jesus, I'm going to choose to align myself with your word and I'm going to align myself with the peace and the truth that you are. Um, and, um, yeah, and then it goes on to say by implication, prosperity, one peace, quietness, quietness, rest, and set at one again, set at one again, kind of like really spoke to my heart because I was like, wow, God, that's what I feel in the secret place when I'm with you. And that's what I feel when I'm at peace. Like I feel at one again, you know? Um, and so, um, so that's, that's how like I've experienced life in peace. And I've also noticed too, like when I'm not necessarily, a lot of times when we think of like, um, like, like this world or the flesh, like when um, it's saying the mind governed by the flesh, sometimes we think like flesh, like sin. I think it's definitely talking that too, but I think sometimes it just means like the world in general. When our minds are set on this world, like it's going to lead us to like a mindset on death, not on life and peace. And I notice that in my own life when I'm like, okay, I'm walking through life, even like at work, like here's a perfect example. I was at a meeting the other day 
And I was really struggling with just like my boss and the decisions she was making and I was in a meeting and all of a sudden found myself like looking at her like in like a judgmental way and um, like these thoughts started coming up like, oh, like you are really frustrating me and like all these different things and then even like some worse things and I had to like literally take a second in the middle of my meeting and go like in my head of course, not in, you know, out loud, but it was like, God bless her in Jesus' name. I repent for like believing that she is like a bad person and that she's not fit for this job. Um, so literally I did that in my mind in that moment. And I'm sure people were like, why is this, what is this guy like? Why is he distracted right now? Um, but it really helped. And then literally like um, about like an hour later, um, there was a moment where my boss had like a moment and I just said, hey, like, I'm so sorry for having like tension towards you. Like, like you're like an amazing boss and we're so blessed to have you. And that like really meant a lot to her. And, and it also meant a lot in my heart because I was able to realign myself from a heart of judgment to a heart of love. And so, um, Anyway, so just to encourage you that like you can like know when those things come up in those moments and that God's gracious enough to like realign your heart with his in those moments. So, yeah. Um, but, um, yeah. And so I think there was another thing too as I was praying about what to share um, is what exactly like um, life and peace felt like. And I wrote down, it feels like a sound mind rest for my soul and clear emotions. Like our emotions aren't bad. Even if we're like a thinker, um, like thinking's great. We all have emotions though. Our emotions aren't bad, um, but they feel like clear emotions and emotions that aren't up and down like this. Um, and so, um, yeah. And so it just feels like kind of like soundness, being at one again and just being like, just kind of level set it in my heart and in my mind. Um, and um, another thing that kind of was like interesting is I feel like I've noticed that in, when I'm in the secret place, um, just like imagining myself on our like little guest bedroom bed, because that's where I oftentimes do it. Um, I like have sometimes these little thoughts that come up and it like interrupts my time with Jesus. And, um, and this happened actually like last week as I was praying and then all of a sudden, like my parents texted me before I had my time with Jesus and, and when I went in and I was worshiping and I was just like, God, I want to worship you like until like my mind stops wandering and that happened, right? But before that, I had to go through this journey with him. I was worshiping and my mind wouldn't stop thinking about trying to text my parents back like so random, like I need to text my parents back. They need me to text, like they don't, they're like adults, right? But for some reason there was something in me that like needed to text them back. And so I was like, okay, well obviously like I've got to find like time with Jesus. Like I can't just, I, like I made a decision. I was like, I don't want to text them back right now because I want my king. And, um, and so I just like had to go through this dialogue that I typically have to go through in these moments where I'm like, okay, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I repent of just like my desire to leave you in this moment and do something else. Um, and this, I'm saying this not like to put any shame on it. Like if you like are having your time with Jesus and you go and do something else, like there's no shame in that. But for me personally, I was like, no, like I want, and I think there's, there's, there's goodness in that. Like we want you, like I am giving you everything that I have. Like in my time with you, I want to give you everything. And I was like, Jesus, I'm sorry for you know, like, like wanting to leave you and text my parents, God, what do you say about that? Um, and I felt like he said, um, like, you don't believe that my presence is enough to fulfill your desires. And I was like, wow, okay. Um, and as soon as that happened, like one, I heard the voice of God, but then also my mind was no longer set on 
texting my parents, but it was set on the fact that Jesus just spoke to me. And so then I was able to say, okay, Jesus, like, okay, like, I'm sorry for not believing that you are not enough for me, or I'm sorry for, you know, and going through that whole thing. And that's a pretty, like for me, typically I listen, and then Jesus says something, and typically it's a lie that I'm believing, and then I'm able to, um, like, take that, and I'm able to, like, renounce that lie, or repent for that lie, or replace that lie with truth. So in that moment, it was a lie that I was believing that, that God's presence was not enough for me. And so I had to renounce that and say, Jesus, I'm so sorry for believing that you are not enough for me. I ask for forgiveness for believing that, and I ask you to replace that with the truth that you are everlasting and you are all I need. Um, and I felt like in that moment, like the glory of God came, and I felt at rest again. And I was like, wow, I don't need to text my parents. Like, I don't care about that right now. And like, worship just was better, and like, the word of God was just like flooding off of the Bible and just making sense again, and it just like seemed right. And it was like, okay. So that's what God has for us. Like that's like even, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be like deep depression and despair, which God delivered me from, but it, and he's delivered friends of mine from, but even just these little mundane thoughts and things where we're like just our minds wondering, or we do walk into church and we believe like, oh, I'm not good enough to be here. I just did this or that. We can take that thought captive in that moment. And I really think, like, to encourage you to, like, it takes, it takes a while and you've got to keep doing it. And I'm obviously, like, there's definitely times where, like, I let, I let thoughts go too far. And I have to, like, it takes even more work to kind of go back and, like, totally replace that with truth. And so, but it's just one of those things where it's a journey, but there's freedom in that journey and it's never too late. Right. And so, um, anyways, yeah. And, and being in that secret place and that lie coming up, that happens fairly often. And I felt like God said the other day, sometimes, um, sometimes the, the distractions in your secret place are actually the deepest rooted ones. And like that hit home for me because it was like, wow, okay, well, you know, I get distracted a lot. And God said that I believe that his presence isn't necessarily enough for me. Specifically, get dis- well, I get distracted a lot in general. But when I'm like in the secret place, <laughs> um, like it, it happens a lot. And I believe that there's freedom for me and for you in every area of life. But specifically in that area, it was like, okay, God was taking me from life and peace and that, or taking me from death in my mind of not being able to like be with him, which ultimately leads to death, but being able to be in life and peace in that moment. Um, so anyways, um, I just kind of wanted to, Give us a sec to literally just um, like pray and ask Jesus what lie we're believing, or is there a thought that's repetitive, or is there like a lie that I'm believing? Um, and we just like go through and listen to what the Holy Spirit says, and then we just go through a moment where we're just like asking Him and kind of doing that same thing where we just like repent or renounce that lie. Sometimes it's not something you need to repent of. Sometimes it's something just like, oh, like I replace that. But sometimes like if we're believing that lie, like it is something we need to repent with and then it brings us back closer to Jesus. And so I'd love to just maybe take a moment and do that really quick. Um, So yeah. Jesus, we invite your Holy Spirit here, God. We know that you are in us, but you are alive and active as well around us, Father. God, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us right now, God. Any thoughts that are tormenting us, if we're really in a dark place, or even just little thoughts that are repetitive and are keeping us away from being in fullness of joy and fullness of life and peace in your presence, God. We pray that you would make that clear right now in Jesus' name.
maybe God's bringing something to mind. Just be with him and um, if it's something you need to repent of or it's something that you need to renounce. Place it with truth and scripture. And a lot of times these truths will be like identity focused. They'll be like totally opposite of what like we were believing about ourselves. So yeah, that's, um, we'd love to kind of take a minute or so and just like, just in full vulnerability, just take a moment and share with somebody next to you um, and um, just to kind of seal that in. And if you didn't feel like you heard anything or you feel like God has brought you into like a place of freedom in this area, I feel like this is a place of encouragement as well. And even as we respond, I know Scott's going to talk to you in a little bit, um, but like response is an opportunity too. like, we fully believe that like, if God has given you this gift of freedom in this way, like we want you to like, give that away, you know? And so, um, yeah. So maybe take a moment and share, um, kind of what God did in your heart and mind in that moment. Cool. So about about 17 seconds. 13 seconds. Just kidding. Just want to give it to Alice a chance to just share a little bit of what God was speaking, and then we want to kind of wrap up with a few practicals here. So be seven seconds left. All right. Um, 
Good. Hey, let, let's, um, I just want to share a couple practical thoughts to, to walk this out. Um, and then we're going to have the band come and just see what God will do among us, okay? Um, so six practical thoughts. You ready? The first one I didn't get permission from, but this is about Jenny, and she's not bragging when she shared this. Okay? <laughs> I just, this is, but I just, <laughs> so anyways, that's the disclaimer, because she's amazing. But I remember a couple, it was three or four weeks ago, she's been incredible in this journey for me. So, so thankful. Um, and I remember a few weeks back, uh, just was talking again about, this has been a few weeks ago, about, yeah, I woke up again, middle of the night, these thoughts. Went down the guest room, just worshiped until peace came, and I could sleep some more. And I said, you know what I'm talking about, right? And she goes, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And she goes, I'm not being bragging or prideful. She goes, I don't struggle with that. And I said, what? Come on. And I said, tell me more. I want to know, right? You ever find someone that has a little more freedom than you and you want it badly? That's desperation. And she said, so I hope it's okay. Sorry, I didn't ask. <laughs> not really, because it's powerful. Um, kind of, but anyways. She said, Scott, I've, so, so Jenny, if you were at retreat last year, she actually, one, I think Saturday morning, she shared and she showed this journal, this notebook, through a notebook she had of, that's full of scripture about different subjects. And when she struggles, she goes back and she just reads and renews her mind on these different subjects. And she goes, Scott, I've hidden the word in my heart over these core areas of struggle for years. And so when the temptation comes, she said, yes, I have to take it captive. But she said, right afterwards, scripture comes because I've hidden it in my heart. And I was like, really? And she goes, yeah, it's true. <laughs> so nearly perfect. Uh, just kidding. She's incredible. I know. But so there's one practical, right? Scripture promises us that if we'll hide the word in our hearts, there's power for us. The other thing I know about Jenny's life is she lives in vulnerability with a few women that know her well. A few of you are in this room she walks with, and there's a few others that know her well. So those passing little thoughts that go through her mind at times, if any of them are like fighting for a place, I know she's going to share with me or she's going to share with a few other women she walks with. I know it. Because sometimes bringing the light and power gets broken off of that thought. There's one practical Okay. The next one is let's know the difference between temptation and sin. So hear me, this is important. The weirdest thought that goes through your head, well, let me say this. Jesus was tempted in every way and was without sin. We know that scripture? Yes. Okay. The weirdest thought you've ever had in your head, Jesus might have had. Because he was human. Because he was tempted in every single way. He was without sin. Sometimes, so when those thoughts go through our head, oftentimes they're first person, and oftentimes they're just familiar enough that they could be true. That's how the devil speaks. And so we have to know, whoops, that thought just came from the outside and is trying to get in. I'm going to keep the door closed. I'm going to take that thought captive. Jesus, what do you think about it? Nope, it's not mine. I'm walking away. Temptation turns to sin when we go, hmm, I wonder if that's true. Sin takes root inside of us long before it takes root outside of us. We need to know the difference. So the next time you had this weird, crazy thought, if you didn't invite it in, don't let it win. 
If it's trying to move, that rhyme, that was kind of cool. I didn't mean that rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> Write that down. That was cool. Okay, just kidding. Um, sorry. Okay. Um, you guys know what I'm talking about? That thought that's going through, that bouncing thought. If you're having a meal with someone, you're across the coffee with someone, you have this really weird thought about the person, it's not you. It's a temptation. I promise. If you are here tonight and you have given your life to Jesus, the Spirit of God lives inside of you. You have a renewed mind. And that renewed mind doesn't have to make root for any of those thoughts. And those thoughts are, as Kevin said so well, those thoughts are often the temptation are often rooted in identity of who we are and, or who God is. And the people of God. The fruit of that is always, it will isolate me, it will destroy me, it will pull me away from things, it will get me stuck and unfree. Okay, so it's important to understand the weirdest thought, if it wasn't there and you didn't sow into it in sin, it's not you. Promise. So you just go, no, Jesus' name. Kevin, I love it, it, in the meeting with his boss, and he had a moment. It sounded like he started to entertain it a little bit, <laughs> which is okay, here we go. But you went back, you ran, you know, okay? But if you got these weird thoughts in your head that bounce around, it, it is not yours unless you accept it. About your identity, the weirdest thought you had in your mind, nope, it's not me, God. Now, we open the door to some of those things by the movies we watch, the shows we watch, music. That could, the outside input coming in can open the doors to some of that stuff. But it's important to know the difference between temptation and sin. All right? Ready? Number three. Um, there, there's this one pastor. I love what he says. He says, I won't let anything in my mind that's not in the mind of God. If something's bouncing in your head, it's good to stop and go, I wonder if you think these thoughts, God, about this person. Probably not. Lord, help me love them like you love them. Um, this was, we were on vacation last week. Uh, we were able to, we had like points and, um, credit card points and saved up points and we were able to go to Hawaii. It was incredible. It was, it was so much fun. And, uh, how we tend to vacation now that we have teenagers is that we tend to leave the house later than I would desire because they want to sleep. That's part of their vacation is sleeping and learning that it's okay. Um, so I had really, I had several, uh, anyways, just hours with God every morning and it was rich. So good. And I remember one morning kind of pulling up some of these things that were just from the recent past I've been struggling with. And I said, God, what do we do about that? That's unanswered. And I'm serious. I need an answer, God. And he said, Scott, will you worship me before that's, uh, that's concluded or figured out? And I had a picture of myself, this picture in my mind's eye, and I felt like it was just God's kindness to just give me an example of me kneeling and worshiping with my eyes closed. And there's like this cloud of, that like accusation was written in it. Before something is settled, before the breakthrough comes, before the bills are paid, before the, the whatever it is, it's fear, anxiety, worry, before that, are we able to worship? Because when we do that at Psalms 91, we get into the secret place and he protects us. Can you worship before the breakthrough comes? Before the resolve happens, can we worship him? It is a choice of will and I promise you it will empower you to overcome those temptations, those thoughts. Okay? Um, and the final one um, is, is in May. If you were here to Biden May, I kind of gave three charges for the summer. And one of them was, what's our Maranatha moment? If it's, it's on Spotify if you want to check it out. But, um, there, but one of them was, uh, I want to challenge everyone to take extra time this summer to spend time with God. What does it look like? One night a week, I'm saying no to friends, and I'm, or no to movie, or no to whatever, because I want to meet with God. 
So the, the final just practical here is it might take you and I longer to, to experience a measure of freedom in our minds to stop the crazy, but it's found, as Kevin said several times, in the secret place with him. It's not found by running faster, running harder, exercising more, watching more Netflix, hanging out with people more until I'm exhausted and I crash for the day. And here we go again. We won't get free that way. Freedom comes as we sit before our king and we say, God, like I said in Hawaii, God, I need you to tell me what to do with this because it's unresolved. And I'm serious. I need help. And I gave time for him to speak. And he started to speak and he started to teach me and I'm changed for it. So it might take you more time, but time with him is the best time you can ever spend. Okay. So how do we respond? Um, there are some people in scripture that have been going through my mind, and, as, and we're going to kind of step into some worship here in just a moment. But the word desperation came to mind. How desperate are we to want to be free? So think about Zacchaeus. Remember he was a wee little man? A wee little man was he? He climbed up in the sycamore tree. Sing it with me. Okay. Zacchaeus was a desperate wee little man. <laughs> He climbed up in a tree to get away from everyone because he had to see Jesus. That's desperation. I get away. I do things that may look weird to people. I step aside because I just got to look at my king. Look at the reward. Jesus said, hey, come here. Let's talk. Crowds of people. And he saw that wee little man in a tree. I'm going to go to your house tonight. But it took Zacchaeus saying, I'm desperate to see the king. All right, blind Bartimaeus, you guys remember his story? Blind, so his ears are super attentive. He's around these people and he hears crowd coming and he goes, who's that? And someone said, it's Jesus of Nazareth. And he goes, oh, I've heard about him. And he goes, do you remember what he cried out? Son of David, have mercy on me. Was he desperate to be free? There's a desperation that comes of someone that is blind that knows you're the one that can help me see. Is fear making you blind in areas of your life? How desperate are you to want to be free? I promise fear is not a personality trait. Anxiety is not a personality trait. You can be free. How desperate are we to be free? Mary, think about Mary. She came in, crowd of men eating dinner, and there's Jesus, and she had oil, and she's like, I don't care what people think about me. I'm going to give him everything. And they started to judge her. You remember this part? And Jesus stood up for her, and he said, leave her alone. What she's done is beautiful. Mary was desperate to be with Jesus. The centurion whose, whose servant was dying, you remember this one? And Jesus like, okay, I'll come now. So he goes, no, 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 I live under authority. I have people under authority over me. And I say, go, and they go. And he says, you just say the word, and he'll be free. The centurion was desperate and understood who Jesus was. Enough to say, just give me a word. But he had to look at him face to face. Zacchaeus. We already talked about Zacchaeus. Um, what about Jarius? Remember that guy? Help, my daughter's dying. And he, he pulled Jesus away. And Jesus said, I'm going to go with you. And all of that unfolded to his daughter was raised to life again. Okay. And the last one I just want to mention, we could probably all think of other examples in Scripture. Think about the lady that had the, the, the issue of bleeding for years. Crowds going by with Jesus. Walking. 
And she said, if I could just touch him, I don't have to look at him. She pushes through the crowd and she reaches out and she touches his garment and instantly she feels healing. And Jesus says, who touched me? And the disciples are like, you guys remember this part? And they're like, well, well, you know, people are around you. And he goes, no, 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 something just was different. And he looked at her in the eyes and he said, daughter, your faith has healed you. He spoke with this familial interaction with this woman because she was desperate to be free. So tonight, I want us to have some time and I want to just tap into a little bit of that desperation. Because desperation is messy. Desperation is emotional. Desperation is a quiet emotion. Desperation is an expressive emotion. Desperation is a longing to be, for the weight to be lifted off, the thoughts to stop, the crazy to calm. But it takes you and I to say, God, I raised my hand and I just need help for this. And I believe he's invited us into this moment so we can all leave here different if we want to be. Okay, so if the band can come forward, it'd be great. Okay, why don't you guys stand up with us? Um, so we're going to take a little bit of time and what I want us to start with here is just you and God what does desperation look like in this moment for you is it staying in your seat and in your row does desperation mean you get in the back does desperation mean you get on your knees you raise your hands you, I don't know what your expression of desperation is But I promise there's enough scriptural promises and there's enough testimony in this room to say desperation to meet with a living God will lead us into a place of greater freedom if we want it. Okay? So Jesus, we love you. We invite you. Invite you near. We invite you in. And Lord, I ask you to just liberate us tonight to be desperate for you. Liberate us, Lord. We just shake off every um, false idea of how we need to act tonight. Every self-protection. Every place. I think some of you even tonight, you're, you're feeling that heart race like, oh, I wish I could be free. You feel that, but you also feel this tug to just want to leave. <laughs> I just want to ask you to consider not leaving tonight until you met with God. Maybe instead of running, as you maybe have done many times before, running that feeling of, oh, what if I could be free from this? What if instead you turn towards Jesus and you say, I need, I'm serious, I need help here? That's our invitation tonight. Okay? So we're going to take some time just individually before the Lord, and we're going to take some time to pray for each other as well. Okay, so whatever it looks like for you, what does desperation look like and feel like? How free do you want to be tonight? Do you want a story like Kevin had, where there's an encounter with God that marks him for a lifetime? Just give him permission and respond to him with all your heart.